Good morning, good morning, good morning. It has been a good morning. Wow. Say, Holy Spirit, have your way this morning. We've experienced you in such a powerful way so far. We just say more, Lord. More, Lord. More. More. As Drew was talking about taking it home and experiencing it through the week, and uh, I, it, it caused me to think about something uh, probably last week. I think it was about a week ago. Uh, Ryan, Drew's little brother, sits over there, came by my house. I was in my in my uh, in my office, and I was pondering. I was meditating. I was I had stuff kind of scattered around my desk, but I was kicked back with sweats on, leaning back with my feet up on my desk, looking out the window. And he stepped in and said, wow, Pastor Hardy, <laughs> what are you doing? I said, well, I'm, I'm working on my message. He said, oh, that's how you do that? He said, <laughs> yeah, I spend a little time like that. And I told my wife about it when she got home, and I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ryan was here, and I said, he, he walked in, and and she saw how I was dressed and that I was barefoot. And, she, and you had your feet up on the desk? Yeah, I was pondering. So he saw your stub. <coughs> I have a toe missing on one foot. So referred to as a stub. But where I want to actually go with that is... Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's a great question. <laughs> No, yesterday I was actually sitting at my desk and how it takes like about that long because I studied for just a little while and I was like, okay, I need to have a little presence encounter here right now. I need, uh, I need to feel a little Holy Spirit. I, I need a little, a little encounter. All I did was lean back. I didn't put my feet up on the desk this time, Ryan. I just kind of kind of lean back and relax in my chair with my hands out and just like, I am so thankful for, I am so thankful for this, I am so thankful for the things that, that I'm thankful for. And I said, yeah, I'm thankful for your presence. Holy Spirit, come and instantly, I mean like that fast, we're talking in, in seconds, I'm feeling the refreshing, incredible presence of Holy Spirit. And with my eyes closed, see, I have to, I just about have to end up closing my eyes. Otherwise, we have like, like nine feet, seven feet tall, nine feet of glass that looks out, you know, right out my front window. And I'll be all distracted if I start looking out the, looking out the window. So for me, I really, I, I close my eyes and it's like, oh. But with my eyes closed, I just think this is the part that sometimes is, is so cool to me. All of a sudden, everything just turned a really bright green, and I'm just like, ah. Oh. I feel like I'm being pushed back in the room. I put my feet down. It's like, is my chair sliding back in the room? You know, it, it's so cool how Holy Spirit just manifests sometimes when it says, Jesus says, I'll manifest myself to, you know, those who love me and keep my commands. And I just felt like I was sliding back. I, I opened my eyes for a second because, you know, the wall's only that far back. I can't be sliding far. It's just... Then closing my eyes again, I saw that just that brilliant green, just a beautiful green, brilliant green color. And, and then I'm just like enjoying 
that presence, and I'm, but I'm talking to him through this, and, and then I feel like there are shards of really bright, dark blue that are coming through that green. It's like, whoa, oh, so beautiful. And then some of the things that I used to have such a problem with is seeing crazy manifestations in people. Like, that can't be God, that can't be God. He did that thing to me, which so often happens when I'm really feeling presence or I've been praying and I've been with Rick before, sitting just across a booth, Rick Lebrun, sitting across a, a booth from him, just talking about the Lord and feeling, Oof. it's like I get hit in the stomach, like, try to cover it up and it didn't work. He's like, he recognized it. It's like, and then that started happening and I'm just by myself, talking to the Holy Spirit. It's only supposed to come when I'm praying for somebody, not just when I'm experiencing, you know, it's like, oh, then it's like, Oh, God, you are so good, so good, so good. Then back out of it and back to studying again. But just to piggyback onto what Drew was saying, that we take it with us, you know, that we take it with us. We don't want to miss those opportunities or miss those times. And sometimes it's just like the relationship with your wife. If you really want to build a good relationship with your wife, you have to end up taking the time. You have to take the time, and it's just setting a little time aside, and it's like, okay, it's not about just studying, it's not about just reading the words, like, okay, we need to spend a little time here, and he's that quick to respond. Um, Another thing, yesterday, uh, Cheryl, God bless you, it's so good to see you this morning, I thought you were going to be gone on a vacation, but... It's wonderful to see you in the house of the Lord. It's still painful to see the seat beside you empty, but yeah, (laughs) yes, we are certainly going to miss Aubrey D's. But we bless you, and we're so glad you're here, and did you feel comforted by the Lord this morning? Presence of God, Mm, so rich and so good this morning. I was just thinking, uh, I was sitting at a table with some I think they were grandchildren of hers, and, and uh, the young lady was started. We were we were talking back and forth, and, and we were just talking about about church and what good church and what healthy church. You know, what what kind of church are you looking for? She's just getting ready to get married, and she said she started telling me the things that she's looking for in a church that there would be a healthy church that has multiple generations. I'm thinking, man, you're talking about. A church. I listened for some more, and, and she was just talking about, I want to feel the Spirit of God. I don't, I don't want to just go to a church and listen to preaching and listen to work. Hey. <laughs> I just listen to church and listen to words. I want to feel the presence of God, and I want to see you know, the Holy Spirit moving. And I said, she got all finished, and I said, wow, it sounds like you were describing our church. You should come here sometime and give it a try. <laughs> She said, my grandma's been saying this for a long time. I probably will do that one of these days. So we're going to look forward to seeing your granddaughter in here one of these days, looking for that kind of church. But I was thinking this morning about the, the multiple generations part, and, and the more that I thought about that, it's like, wow, we are... Aunt Betty, you're back. Uh, my mom and my Aunt Betty sitting back there in, in the back corner back there, I, why they're always in the back, I don't know. But <laughs> there they sit, the two redheads back there. 
But that, that represents in, in just in, in, my, in my line, uh, my genealogy line here, there are five generations here. It's like, man, my mom and my aunt sitting back there. Then, then there's me, then there's my son, uh, Sean, my daughter, Christy Lynn, and there, there's Sean's children, which are my grandchildren, and then there's my grandchildren's children that are here. It's like, oh my goodness, five, five generations here. And I think, wow, the older generation, which we're going to call over 70 now because I'm still under 70 by a little bit, the older generation has opportunity in this church to end up sharing their wisdom and to speak into the lives of my great-grandchildren as they grow up. So for 80 years into the future, we, that, for 80 years into the future, assuming that these kids are going to live to be 85 years old and that, that, that this world is still going to be here or more, that we're still going to be around here, they're going to be able to affect the future for the next 80 years just by what happens in this church. It's like, and I think that's, that's really amazing to, to, to think about because that's how multi-generational that we actually are here. I remember Jonah, who was here last week. Was that not amazing, powerful, just crazy good? As he was sharing, he, he, he had talked to me personally, not this time, but I think the last time that he was here, Say, Pastor Lynn, I think this is the healthiest. And he'd been to lots and lots of churches. You remember that, Christy? He said, I believe that this is the healthiest church that I've ever ministered in. It's like, well, that is really, really awesome. He didn't say the best or the biggest or the most powerful, but he said the healthiest. I thought, well, that's awesome, isn't it? To think about, you know, the, a multi-generational, healthy, healthy church. That's, that's really good. Now, I was thinking about something it's been probably 15 or 16 years ago. I started listening to the teaching of Lance Wallnow. How many of you listen to Lance? <laughs> yes, there's some people that listen to Lance and have, well, he's been doing it for a long time now. And uh, Renee had gone to a conference and she brought back some CDs from that conference back then, not thumb drives, not, but some CDs from that conference. And and Lance was talking about something that I think was helping to prepare me as I listened to those over and over again because he was, from where I was, where we were at that time, he was like light years ahead of, you know, it's like, oh my goodness. But he was saying that the danger when we're climbing, when we're ascending the hill of God, where we're climbing and where we're getting closer and closer to God in our our quest and our journey, that too often times the greatest resistance that we will run into while climbing that mountain is where the previous generation has been and the highest that they could get was where the biggest resistance would come from. It's like, oh my goodness. It's like I listened to that and, I, and then I listened to it over and over again. It's like, wow. That's pretty crazy to think about. But we believe, what we preach here, and what I firmly believe, it's one of my core beliefs, is that we, and I'm talking about my generation for sure, will 
be the ceiling, our generation would be the ceiling, my ceiling would be the floor of the next generation. Not the place where resistance takes place. You can't get any higher up the mountain because you've hit my peak. I think of like mountain climbing, you know, riding snowmobiles and, and mountain climbing, and it's nice when somebody, you know, packs the trail up so you can get a little bit higher, and the next one up makes a bigger loop and a bigger loop. How many snowmobilers do we have here? It's like, okay, I'm mostly talking to myself then. <laughs> it's like, uh, so I, I think of this, I was even pondering and thinking and visualizing this this morning, thinking, you know, the way that I would see that as my generation, as the baton was handed off here, that this generation, that my generation goes and sets up for those mountain climbers, and I've only heard the stories and watched some of the videos, they go a certain amount, a certain ways up the mountain, and then they set up a base camp. And then from that base camp, they just send climbers higher up. It's like, I am completely content with establishing that base camp and saying, okay, go. Okay, go. Are you with me? We are going to be those with such pliable wine skin that we can handle the new wine. Yeah, that we can handle the new wine. <clears throat> start thinking about what Christy Lynn said a little earlier, I might just start crying again. Um, okay. I think we're ready to get into the... I start preaching now. Just remember, the, the message in this, the message before the message, we, that next generation, do not, do not want to be the place that is where the greatest become the greatest resistance to the next generation that's ready to go higher and higher and higher. I say, just tie a rope around me and drag me up with you. Kind of the way I feel about deer hunting. Tie, tie a rope around, drag me up there with you. I want to be at the top of that hill. It's just like, <gasps> okay, we're moving on. I want to turn to. I've got some some things that I really want to un unpack this morning. This was the message before the message, and, and uh, I think the first place I want to go is to John fourteen. John fourteen, verses fifteen through seventeen. If you love me, this is Jesus. He's speaking to his disciples. If you love me, keep my commandments. And, and realize this, he's speaking to his disciples. The sons of Zebedee. It talks about the, 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 the lineage, the, the parents, uh, at least the fathers of, most of uh, several of these disciples. We've heard who, who the fathers were. And I will... I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper that he, might, may, he may abide with you forever. The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Is that it? That's 17 right there. Perfect. 
So Jesus has promised that he is going to be leaving his Holy Spirit. He says, I've got to go. The Holy Spirit will come. He's going to lead you into all truth. The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because they neither see him, know him, but you know him for he dwells with you and he will be with you. He will be in you. You know, last week, that's the thing that Jonah was preaching about the Holy Spirit and, and that promised Holy Spirit. And he gave so many an opportunity to receive Holy Spirit last Sunday. How many of you received Holy Spirit for the first time? That's amazing. That's amazing. That's wonderful. It's empowering. Great stuff. I want to Drop down to verse 18. That's probably the most important part of this. So 16, 17, and 18. Jesus said, I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. A little while longer and the world will see me no more, but you'll see me because I live, you will live also. Verse 19. I want to talk a little about this, this orphans. I want to talk quite a little bit about this orphans thing. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. First he said, I'm going to send Holy Spirit. Then he said, I'm going to come to you. It's like we know and we understand that when Holy Spirit comes, Holy Spirit is like the reflection. It is the same Spirit that Jesus has. He's going to teach us all about Jesus. The things that he says are going to be from and of Jesus, right? We know very clearly that the Scripture states that. So he says, I will not leave you orphans. I was really stuck on that for a long time last night and even this morning. I will not leave you orphans. Well, they weren't orphans, were they? No, they had parents. It's like, huh, I'm going, I will not leave you orphans, but I'm going to be with you, but it's Holy Spirit that's coming that's going to lead you into all truth. The Spirit of truth is coming. And we know we, 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 over the next two chapters about what the Holy Spirit brings, who He is, what He brings, what He's going to do in our lives. He's going to empower us. He's going to lead us in all truth. Right? We're going to be led in all truth by the Holy Spirit. Okay. We're all together here. Holy Spirit will come. He's going to lead us in all truth. We will not be left as orphans. It's like that indeed we will be sons and daughters. We're going to get to that here pretty quick. The sons and daughters part. But we will not be left orphans. 
I did a lot of studying here about a month ago. I, pre I prepared a message on the orphan spirit, the difference between the orphan spirit and sonship spirit. And I have a whole stack of papers or handouts one day that are going to happen. I'm going to preach specifically on that message, I believe, one of these days. But right now I, I want to talk about what I believe is the greatest thing, the greatest tripping point, the thing that holds us back, establishes and affirms the orphan spirit in our lives. And that is the law. I was, I was thinking several, several years ago, but actually I didn't come to this realization until my boys were in their 20s that I had a, a well-established within them the orphan spirit. They had a great dad from my perspective and a wonderful mom raising them up, but it's like what dad did from my perspective, wanting my ceiling to be their floor, turned out to be more of a spirit of perfectionism where I wanted them to achieve higher, greater, and more than I achieved. You're laughing at me now. Okay. So wanting that for my boys seems like a grand cause, doesn't it? I want them to do more. I want them to do better. I want them to go higher. So in everything that I did, from coaching them in baseball, coaching them in BMX, bicycle motocross, coaching them in their snowmobile, all of the different things that they did that I got to coach them in, and then raising them up into their, what they did for a living, the heating and air conditioning stuff. I would review their jobs, and I would look at it and say, that, yeah, that's good, that's good. But if you would have done this, it would be better. Yeah, that's good, but. Yeah, that's good, but. Man, you, that was awesome. You got out of the starting gate great, but into that first corner, if you would go high before you come down, you know, before you come down low, then cut to the inside, man, you could come first out of that every time. You know, in other words, you messed up a little bit. You messed up a little bit. You never quite got it good enough. And I didn't realize that at all until a gentleman named Bill Glass, a pro ex-pro football player, came and he shared a message, what he referred to as withheld blessing. Withheld blessing. When you try to encourage, but the encouragement always includes, you could surely have done better if. You could have done better if. And I ended up hearing back through somebody that my eldest son, whom I was proud of, who I thought was doing a, you know, doing a great job, had said to someone, actually had said to a couple people, man, I can't ever do anything good enough for my dad. It's like, what? What? I can't ever do anything good enough for my dad. It's like, are you kidding me? My second son, my next son down, it wasn't quite as bad. He, it wasn't affected quite as adversely, but still um, had created even an attitude in him. It's like, because I didn't just bless them bless them, tell them how good they did. It was, you know, hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, you won or you got a second or you whatever, but if, you hear me? But if, but if, but if. 
You know, and I feel like that's exactly, that's exactly, that's exactly what happens with the law. The 613 commands in the law of Moses, the people could not, could never, nobody could end up accomplishing, doing, making their way to God by keeping all of those commands. It's like, man, good job, you got most of them, but. Good job, you got most of them, but. So the law created orphan spirits. Everybody needing to end up having the approval of God, their heavenly Father, yet there is no way they could achieve that in the flesh. Let's just say that again. There ain't no way you could achieve that in the flesh. There's only one way that that can be achieved, and that's through faith in Jesus Christ. He says, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. There's no way to the Father except through me. It doesn't matter how good you are at religion, at keeping all these commandments, you're not getting to heaven except through me. You're not going to be forgiven except through me. You can't be good enough. You can't be good enough in your own effort, in your flesh. You have to believe in Jesus Christ. The way, the truth, the life. I went back and studied it. Looked at, looked at Abraham and, and, the, and the covenant and the promise that I thought about. We're going to go to Galatians here just in a little bit. And it's like, man, I could read three chapters of Galatians and, and, uh, and I brought three, <laughs> three Bibles because I might end up doing some of that. But I just, I want to go... Um, I want to go one more place first. Well, Matthew 23, 37 through 40. Can we go there? Matthew 23, 37 through 40. Jesus said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. That's the first in the great commandment. And you should love your neighbor as yourself. Now, yeah, let's finish that off. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Why doesn't that say, in these two commandments are? Or these two commandments fulfill? Or these two on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Like, what did Jesus do? He hung on a cross. Jesus hung on a cross 
He was the propitiation for all of our sin. Jesus took on, he took on the curse. We go back to, you know, back to Abraham, even in Abraham, which was 430 years before the law was written. Well, Abraham, the promise to Abraham was, you are justified by faith, by believing in Jesus. And down through your seed, in which is Jesus Christ, the Son, the promise, which is Jesus Christ, he will be the seed, the son of a woman, who will be the fulfillment of all the law. That Jesus living the perfect sinless life, hanging on the tree, hanging on the cross, took on the curse of sin and death, took on every sin for every one of us, became the fulfillment of the law and the fulfillment of sin in our lives that we could walk in freedom. Now, the law came 430 years after the covenant and the promise to Abraham. So the law was created for a specific time, for a specific purpose, and it was to point people to Jesus, the promise. Everybody good? Mostly good? So, as that... <laughs> I have a bunch of scripture, but I don't really think we're going to have time for that, so I'm just going to keep talking and read it as we get to the end. So, the law was then created to make us to know and to understand that to end up being reconciled to the Heavenly Father, that loves us so much that he would give his son to end up hanging on that cross on which all of the laws and the prophets hung. Does this make sense? It's like, oh, oh. When I started putting the, getting this revelation and putting this together, it's like, oh my goodness, Jesus, 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 Jesus. Jesus, like, whoa. So then I was sitting on my, at my desk, looking out the window, and I saw a, a telephone pole out there. Not a telephone pole, a power pole. Power pole, designated power pole, not telephone pole. And on that, 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 that pole, power was coming, you know, big lines come into it. Then there's a transformer up there. You all know what those transformers are. And I, so I was like, huh. I was kind of curious. And I looked it up, and, and there's, on most of the wooden poles, there's 7,200, 7,200 volts that come into that. And they come into that transformer. And in that transformer, they're transformed down to two voltages for all of residential, for every place that we live. It's, tra it's transformed down to two voltages. One of them is 240, and the other one's 120. Is that right, Jackson? It's like, man, some of those are up to like 78,000 volts that come through those. Some of those big ones that are the big metal power lines, like, good grief. So that's how power is coming into the house. For us to be able to utilize that power, there has to be a transformer that's hanging up on that pole, or there ain't no way we can tap into that power. It's there, but we can't tap into it. We can't use it. We just know it's there. 
Jesus Christ is the one that transforms. Hanging up there on that pole, it's like, oh my goodness. What an amazing and crazy picture looking right out my window to, to, to realize then we can power everything that we need to power in our house, either 220 that runs our oven or, or something or our dryer or 110 that runs everything or 120 that runs everything else that, uh, on our kitchen counters and stuff. We can tap, we can access everything that we have that we need to in our house, in our home, can function because of that transformer that's up on the pole that taps in to the power. And Jesus is our <laughs> Jesus is our transformer. He's taken it all. He hung on the cross, he hung on the pole, he hung on the tree. He took it all then he distributed to us very simply in two lines. We have two commands. These two commands that he's given us. <laughs> all of that power, all of that crazy stuff that all has come together and mixed and transformed and sent right down. or sent Ours we have all overhead power at our house and that's how it comes into our house. And man, it's from one end of the house of our other. Everything works just fabulously, and we can get all of the power we need. It's like when Holy Spirit <laughs> comes into our lives, this, we, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. This house is powered through Jesus Christ <laughs> in whom I trust, in whom I believe, in whom my power source Okay, I think we're going to read a little bit now. I, Linda, do we have, I think we don't, the Passion Translation? No, okay. Well, this is going to be like second grade. I'm going to read to you. Unless you can look it up, in, you can look it in, in your Bibles. Um, going to go uh, Galatians 3. 23, 27. Oh, and this is the small print. Get this in the light just right. Hold it at the right perfect distance. I've got it. God's sons inherit the promises. So until the revelation of faith for salvation was released, the law was a jailer, holding us as prisoners under lock and key until the faith, which was destined to be revealed, would set us free. Everybody say free. free. We're made free through faith in Jesus Christ. The law becomes a gateway to lead us to the Messiah so that we would be saved by faith. How are we saved? How are we saved? Is it by works? By faith. When faith comes, the law is no longer in force. 
since we've already entered into life. You've all become true children of God by faith in Jesus Christ, the Anointed One. It was faith that immersed you into Jesus, the Anointed One. Now you're covered and clothed with His anointing. Endued with power from on high, wrapped up in His anointing. We no longer see each other in our former state, Jew, non-Jew, rich, poor, male, female, because we're all one through our union with Jesus Christ with no distinction between us. Since we've been united to Jesus, the Messiah, you are now Abraham's child and inherit all the promises of the kingdom realm. I'm going to go to chapter 4 and, and uh, skip down to verse 4. Lined up again. Man, I sure need glasses, Renee. Okay, uh, so it is with us. When we were juveniles, we were enslaved under the hostile spirits of the world. Oh, thanks. Whoa. So it is with us. When we were juveniles, we were enslaved under the hostile spirits of the world. But when that era came to an end, and the time of fulfillment had come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the written law. How was Jesus born? He was born under the law. To, well, I'll just read. Yet all of, his, all of this was so that he would redeem and set free all those held hostage to the written law, so that we would receive our freedom and a Full legal adoption as his children. So that we would know for sure that we were his true children, God released the spirit of sonship into our hearts, moving us to cry out intimately, My Father, my Father, you're my true Father. Now, we're no longer living like slaves under the law, but we enjoy being God's very own sons and daughters. Because we're His, we can access everything our Father has, for we are heirs of God through Jesus the Messiah. Galatians 5, go to Five verses 16 through 26. Now as you freely yield, as you yield freely and fully to the dynamic life and power of the Holy Spirit, say dynamic life. See, when we're, when we're led by the Holy Spirit, it is a dynamic life. Dynamic life and power of the Holy Spirit, you will abandon the cravings of your self-life. For your self-life craves the things that offend the Holy Spirit and hinder Him from living free within you. 
In other words, having his way in you. And the Holy Spirit's intense cravings hinder your old self-life from dominating you. So that's what we, we want his spirit to limit our our cravings because of his intense cravings over us, for us, and that he wants to accomplish through us. Your old, keeping your old cravings, hindering your old self, life from dominating you. So then the two incompatible and conflicting forces within you are your self-life, that life of the flesh, and the new creation life of the spirit. But when you are brought into the full freedom of the Spirit of grace, you'll no longer be living under the domination of the law, but soaring above it. The cravings of the self-life are obvious. Sexual immorality, lustful thoughts, pornography, chasing after things instead of chasing after God. Wow, who's guilty of that? Pretty much everybody here, and nobody said yes. Chasing after things instead of God, manipulating others, hatred of those who get in your way, senseless arguments, resentment when others are favored. Resentment when others are favored. (laughs) Temper tantrums, angry quarrels, only thinking of yourself, being in love with your own opinions. (laughs) Being envious of the blessings of others, murder, uncontrolled addictions, wild parties, and other similar behavior. Haven't I already warned you that those who use their freedom for these things will not inherit the kingdom realm of God? We're living above all. I'm going to just stop. um, We're living above all that. When we have received the love of God, when we understand that we are sons and daughters of the Most High, and that what we are called to, we're above all that. We're better than all that stuff. We're called to do amazing things for an incredible journey with Him. But the fruit produced by the Holy Spirit within you is divine love in all its varied expressions. The fruit produced by the Holy Spirit within you is divine love in all its varied expressions. Joy that overflows. Peace that subdues. Patience that endures. Kindness in action. It's like, man, it's one thing to talk about it. It's another thing to do it. But I was having a discussion yesterday with a couple of gentlemen friends, and we were talking about when somebody actually gets the opportunity to be in your presence or when you're in somebody's presence. I think one of the really most important things, wow, that makes everything look weird when it, One of the most important things to to think about is how did that person feel when they left my presence? How did I make them feel? That's what you're going to remember about somebody. Your first impression is how did they make me feel when I left them? Did I walk away depressed, feeling worse than before, before I came into their presence? Or did I walk away feeling encouraged, feeling enlightened with a smile on my face? How did they make me feel? Kindness in action. Patience that endures. Faith that prevails. Gentleness of heart and strength of spirit. 
One of the things that, um, that I do want to th throw in right here is how it, we can so easily become like nitpickers. We can figure out everything that's wrong with something or a, a business, an organization, or a church. All of the things that we don't do right. And when, when I call that a spirit of fixation. When you become fixated on one thing, that spirit of fixation won't let you see anything but that thing. And that's all you think about and talk about. It's like it's easy to see things that are wrong. What we're called to, we're called to be, we're called to the next level and we're called to bring people up with us. We're called to look for the gold and be encouragers that we build up, that we edify, that we encourage. We don't end up stepping into somebody's presence and oh man, I, this is wrong and this is wrong and this is wrong and, and this is wrong. It's like, no, no, no. When we're looking for things to be thankful for and we're looking for things in people's life to, you know, to be able to encourage them, it's like, Wes, man, I like your new hairdo. That's an awesome shirt that you've got too. It's like, Colton, I really like your girlfriend. <laughs> and I loved watching you worship today, Colton. I loved watching you worship today. That's amazing. That, that, that just blessed my heart. I think, I think that's probably one of the things that made me cry, watching you step into worship. Like, praise the Lord. And I hope that I, I watch your face turn a little bit red. I wasn't trying to embarrass you. I, I was blessed. Never set the law above these qualities, for they're meant to be limitless. Keep in mind that we who belong to Jesus, the Anointed One, have already experienced crucifixion. For everything connected with our self-life was put to death on the cross and crucified with Messiah. We must live in the Holy Spirit and follow after him. So may we never be arrogant or look down on another person, for each of us is an original. We must forsake all jealousy. That diminishes the value of others. I think I got time to... Romans 8, 14, starting with 14. Sons and daughters destined for glory. <laughs> the mature children of God are those who are moved by the impulses of the Spirit. You do not receive the spirit of religious duty leading you back into the fear of never being good enough but you have received the spirit of full acceptance. Yeah. Wrapping you up, enfolding you into the family of God. Man, everybody say with me, spirit of full acceptance. It's for me. I receive it. I think we should do that again. The spirit of full acceptance, spirit of full acceptance is, for me. is for me. I receive it. I receive it. 
All right. Wrapping you up into the family of God, and you will never feel orphaned. For as he rises up within us, our spirits join him in saying the words of tender affection, Beloved Father. For the Holy Spirit makes God's fatherhood real to us as he whispers into our innermost being, You are God's beloved child. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're God's beloved child. Again. I am God's beloved child. Let's stand together. Father, I thank you for your, for your promises, for your every promise. I thank you that we stand in line for inheritance to the same promise that you made to Abraham. I thank you, Father, that your promises, you never break or go back on your promises, that we, through Jesus Christ, have access to all that you have for us. We are blessed in your presence. We are blessed by your Holy Spirit. And I just say that each one of us, I just say to each one of us, let's, let's open our hands up open up to receive say Holy Spirit fill us, fill us, fill us fill me, fill me, fill me to overflowing with everything you have for me today I receive your love I receive your goodness and I accept and receive every promise and every gift that you have for me I thank you, I praise you, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, amen. And I pray that the Lord would bless you, keep you, make his face to shine upon you, give you his peace that passes all understanding. And we got a prayer team that come up here, if there's any need that you have this morning. If you just want another dose of the Holy Ghost, come on up here and join this team for prayer. Bless you. Have an incredible week. Let your light shine knowing that you are chosen, that you are free, and that you are a son or daughter of the Most High.